You can write our names in a couple of buildings you're in. But no cheap places. We want to see it. The bigger the places, the better your chance of making it. Graffiti is a crime. There's no way around it. If someone catches you spray painting your name or the name of your club or gang somewhere, you can be reported to the police. And the penalties are strict. Think about it. Would you go to jail just because someone dared you to spray paint your name on a building? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Graffiti Hurts podcast. I am Abigail, and that's really all I'm going to give you. Don't really want my last name on here. Don't really know how to do a podcast, so let's go. I don't really know where to start here. Um, I guess I should start with why this podcast is called Graffiti Hurts. Well, first, it's the name of my blog on Blogspot, graffitihurts.blogspot.com. So, Graffiti Hurts is also an anti-graffiti coalition that was developed in 1996 through a partnership between Keep America Beautiful, the nation's longest nonprofit, and the Sherman Williams Company, the maker of Krylon spray paint, objectively the worst and least pigmented spray paint on the market. And yeah, I um, thought I would take their URL on Blogspot and give them a little fuck you, just from me personally. I find that a lot of people that um, aren't really into graffiti don't really know the difference between tagging and pieces, and often equate tagging with, you know, ugly, gross, not really talented art, and pieces with, like, these untapped, beautiful souls that, you know, help their community, but really, it's the same people just writing the same thing differently, their name, they just want to be seen. Also, this desire to be seen can come from an ignorance that stems from their relationship to the society that's mitigated by their socioeconomic class or their race. They might not be able to access the same artistic modes that other more privileged artists could, like artists benefiting from white privilege or rich artists that have access to the best supplies possible. A lot of writers have to result to um, stealing their paint, especially if they're under 18 just to develop themselves in their style and have access to that paint, which, you know, doesn't cost that much to make and is sold for much more than that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, while not all graffiti is the same, no two pieces are alike. Every tag is different, means different things to different people, and it helps people be seen in different ways. No matter if it's a piece or a tag, it's still art, especially in Philadelphia. A lot of people confuse muralism or street art or basically, I guess, legal graffiti. That doesn't really make sense. It's kind of an oxymoron, but whatever. But they're really not the same because usually in most cases, the muralist or the street artist is getting paid to put their art up on that wall and it's more than allowed to be there. Well, graffiti defaces sometimes even that same public property. Oftentimes, especially the murals on the Market Frankfurt line in Philadelphia, cover up graffiti in order to, um, I guess, beautify the neighborhood around it, which kind of works, but it accomplishes the same thing as the people that buff out or erase graffiti do, just, you know, with frills. It's almost like they're gentrifying fucking graffiti. It's kind of (laughs) wild. 
And not only that, but these muralists that are making money from their pieces also don't have to hide their identity. There's really no aspect of anonymity in, um, you know, not graffiti, because muralism is not graffiti. Say it with me. Muralism is not graffiti. But these muralists, they earn a different type of prestige, a different reputation, rep, than um, graffiti writers. Anonymity in graffiti kind of takes the role of vigilanteism. Everyone knows what you write, but no one knows who you are. No one really knows the color of your skin, where you come from, or what you do. It's really just a matter of how well, how adeptly you can put your name up on that wall or billboard or, you know, anywhere that's hard to get to, that's reputable, that people are going to see. To the untrained eye, all tags may look the same, but Philadelphia has some special ones, namely the Wicket or the Wicked, um, which is a very tall tag that usually will go floor to ceiling and involves a very intricate letter script that takes years almost decades sometimes to develop. To the average eye, it looks like scribbles, but when you have an understanding of how a can of spray paint puts lines on a wall, you kind of have to appreciate the handwork that goes in and the practice that goes into forming a wicket on a wall, or even just in a black book. Because not only do they have to develop that style, but if they're doing it on the streets, they have to account for, you know, them doing it illegally and the fear and nerves that comes from that as well. I'm uh, starting to run out of little musings to say, but this was more of an introductory podcast anyways to some of the terms and um, distinctions that I'm going to be making in later podcasts for the next episode. Make sure to tune in. Oh my fucking god, that sounds so corny. Make sure to just listen. I'm probably going to expand upon this muralism dichotomy. I kind of want to talk about the acorn Meek Mill controversy a little bit more in detail, and hopefully in later episodes, writers will actually want to fucking talk to me. So yeah, this is Abigail, signing off. See you next time.